Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. All right. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today, everybody. Thursday, April 2nd. It's a big day because not only am I joined by my compadres, Scott White, Chris Towers, and Adam Azer, but for the first time since I've joined the podcast, We're doing a live mock draft today on the show. 12 teams, roto format, five outfielders, two catchers, nine pitcher spots. I am pumped. Chris Towers, what did you eat for lunch today? Uh, Some bagel bites. I'm I'm actually a little concerned by how often I'm eating bagel bites. Day three of bagel bites for Chris Towers here on the show. Hey, Frank, you're on the clock, man. You got the fourth pick. Trout, Yellow, Chacuna. What? What did you just do? What did you just do? just took Jacob deGrom. That is the voice of Adam Azer. Adam, how's everything going? I'm stunned right now that you took Jacob. (laughs) I've never never seen Jacob deGrom go fourth in a roto league. Yeah, you're going to have to explain yourself now. Way to derail the show, Frank. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't plan that, I swear. No, look, when it comes to Jacob deGrom, I just think in the second and third round, you can get first-round caliber offensive players. I really do believe that, and I think that especially with all the starting pitchers, Dropping like flies. We've lost Chris Sale. We've lost Severino. We've lost Noah Syndergaard. I think Jacob deGrom, the last three seasons, a 2.53 ERA, 0.97 whip, 763 strikeouts in 622 and a third innings pitched, back-to-back Cy Young awards. He's durable, over 30 starts, three straight seasons, over 200 innings pitch, pitched, three straight seasons. And personally, I think guys like Shane Bieber, Strasburg, Jack Flaherty are overdrafted this year going in the second and third round. So I like the hitters that I can get on the turn coming back my way. I had the fourth overall pick, and I have no problem taking Jacob DeGrom that early. But he had like 70 fewer strikeouts than Garrett Cole. Why'd you go with him over that's Cole? The only, that's the only question for me. Is you, I, I don't have a problem with taking a pitcher there. I, just, I would rather take Cole than uh, DeGrom. Yeah, it's just the unknown factor. It's just moving over to a new environment. It's obviously a smaller ballpark. And Jacob deGrom, in his career with the Mets, has pitched so well in City Field. And if anyone wants to hold the argument of wins against Jacob deGrom, I think that's a little bit foolish because, you know, you can't predict wins. He's pitched about as well as anybody can over the past three seasons. And, you know, wins are out of his hand. So I think, you know, if the Mets can up that run support, we could be looking at 15-ish wins. And they were... They were a good team last year. They weren't a great team, but it's not like they won 60 games. Like right, guys, we're, we're getting left in the dust here. Yeah, we already got a round four. in here. All right, yeah, we're getting left in the dust. As Scott mentioned, first pick off the board, Mike Trout, Christian Yelich, then Ronald Acuna, the top three. That's obvious. I ended up taking Jacob deGrom. Cody Bellinger goes fifth overall. Mookie Betts, no surprises thus far. Uh, Trey Turner at seven. Garrett Cole at eight to Chris Towers. Alex Bregman to Scott White, Trevor Story at pick 10, Francisco Lindor at 11, and then Max Scherzer rounds out the first round. Uh, So, you know, Garrett Cole to Chris Towers there and Alex Bregman to Scott. Alex, uh, I just called you Alex. Scott White, uh, Alex Bregman, someone that we know excels in points leagues, but you still like him in Roto here. You took him in the first round. You're actually on the clock right now, so you can talk about your first pick and make your second pick as well. Yeah, so Alex Bregman, uh, I mean, he's a stud at everything but steals, right? 
like obviously points league because the the uh, play discipline. But even in this format, it's it's just the steals where he lags, and he's not far removed from being like a fifteen steal guy. With Dusty Baker as his manager, I think it's certainly feasible he gets back there. But ninth overall pick with the dual eligibility, I I don't think that's required. I. I, I love him at the end of round one. It's amazing to me. His ADP is like 13th overall and he's falling to round two. Um, so I was happy to take him there. Now with the fourth pick of the second round, 16 overall, the big three starting pitchers are gone, right? DeGrom, who you took, Garrett Cole, who Chris took, and uh, Max Scherzer went at the turn. Justin Verlander's still there. By the time this season eventually gets started, Justin Verlander should be fully healthy, right? That's, that's what I'm assuming. And uh, back before we, he was injured with anything, he was going a lot earlier than this. So I'm, I'm happy to take him here midway through round two. Yeah. And by the way, Walker Bueller actually went one pick before oh, Justin Verlander. Yeah. And so that means for me, I'm up in a few picks. If I want to do my Roto strategy, which is, well, no, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. It's not going to happen. Two top six pitchers, then Hader, then Paxton, and a bunch of saves. Uh, it's off the board. So picking second is great. I mean, I'll get I'll get one of the top three players, but I will have to have a more conventional team, most likely. Um, anyway, uh, sorry Frank, if you want to catch us up on round on round two. Yeah. So in round two so far, Jose Ramirez went at pick thirteen, then Juan Soto, Walker Bueller at pick fifteen, as we mentioned, Justin Verlander, Scott, Freddie Freeman to Chris Towers to pair with his Garrett Cole, Nolan Arenado at eighteen. Fernando Tatis last until pick 19. Bryce Harper to Tim McLeod at 20. I took J.D. Martinez, and then the very next pick was Jack Flaherty. That's been the second round thus far. Uh, Chris, why don't you catch us up on what you've done? You took Garrett Cole at pick eight, and then you took Freddie Freeman in round two as your first hitter. Yeah, unfortunately, I got sniped uh, both on the way in and then on the, the second way in by Scott, and I was... Fully ready to take Trey Turner at number eight overall. I was fully ready to take Justin Verlander at number, what, 17 overall? 16. Oh, yeah, you were 16 seven. overall. Yeah. 17. Um, yeah. So I ended up having to go with Garrett Cole at number eight, which, hey, that's perfect. Or Yeah, Garrett Cole at number eight, which is perfectly fine. He's, you know, arguably the best pitcher in fantasy this year. Wait, so you were going to start pitcher-pitcher if Verlander was there? You were going to go Cole-Verlander? Yeah. Yeah, I just okay. wanted to see what it would look like. I would have done okay. it because then I would have, you know, then I would have done my, what the heck was my tap hap AMC? <laughs> <laughs> I did do that in Tout Wars. I went Cole Bieber, and that's a fifteen teamer. Mm. And I was still happy with the way my team turned out, but I know I have a lot uh, higher tolerance for the way my hitting's going to look than you do, Chris. So that that's interesting that you'd at least consider it. I, I assume you'd take a long break from pitching after that point, though. Yeah, I wouldn't have taken another pitcher probably until I filled out most of my starting hitting lineup after that. Um, but, you know, now I, I'm kind of got got a little bit of flexibility moving forward. I can kind of go in either way, but knowing me, I'll probably just take a lot of hitters. Catching people up here after Chris took Freddie Freeman. As I mentioned, we had Arenado, Tatis, Bryce Harper. I took J.D. Martinez with pick 21, and he's one of those hitters that I think still provides – uh, near first round talent to me I think he's like a very similar player to you know Nolan Arenado and look in a deeper league though I think you can argue those players are near first round picks so uh, to get Jacob deGrom and then get JD Martinez here in the second round uh, I think someone 40 home runs 100 plus RBI 
uh, solid runs as well. And I'm on the clock now and I actually took Starling Marte. So to give myself a base of power, batting average in both Marte and J.D. Martinez. And now I have some speed with likely 25 to 30 stolen bases. Uh, the rest of the picks in the second round, Jack Flaherty went at 22. Adam Azer took Mike Clevenger at 23. Ozzy Albies, my man, Ozzy Albies, 24. Uh, and then to start off the third round, we had Rendon and Blackman. So Adam, through three rounds, you have Christian Yelich, Mike Clevenger, and Charlie Blackman. I know that you are the Charlie Blackman advocate. Like you, he's your guy. Charlie I, Blackman yeah. is your guy, and you have one ace as well with Mike Clevenger. I don't really see, I, I could have two, three, 15 or better hitters. I, I don't know if I'll get that from Blackman, but it wouldn't be a shock. But Yelich and Blackman, I think they're both probably going to hit over 300. He hit 314 last year. I mean, I expect him to be a little bit worse, but he's going to hit over 300. So is Yelich. So I'm in great shape in batting average, which is a really difficult category. I felt that I don't really love Starling Marte because I, I just don't buy what he did as a hitter last year. So I felt it was too early for the steals, guys. I wasn't going to take Adalberto Mondesi where I took Blackman, which was, what, 26th overall. Um, and then Clevenger, because he was hurt when we were originally drafting and wasn't going to be ready for the start of the season, you know, he, to me, is, an, is the seventh pitcher. Right, you got your big four, you got Bueller, and you've got uh, Flaherty, in my opinion, and then Clevenger was basically as good. I mean, he was amazing last year, so I took him uh, 23rd overall. So that gives me Yelich, Blackman, and Clevenger. I mean, I I like the start. I don't think I did anything too fancy. I just would like to say that Arenado, Freeman, and JD Martinez in round two were such easy picks to make because they're the right picks to make. You know. Um, could compare them to Bryce Harper, who went in that same range. It was four picks in a row. It was Freeman, Arenado, Harper, J.D. Martinez. Uh, actually, Tatis was in there, too. Harper is a maybe, you know, he's not a very good batting average guy. So um, the other three are, are probably 300 hitters. I, those are really, really solid picks in round two. Yeah, so I was actually targeting J.D. Martinez or Bryce Harper. I was hoping either one of those players made it back to me. And you're right about the batting average for Harper. I think he can improve somewhat this year. We saw that in the second half when he cut down on the strikeouts last year, but I think, you know, Bryce Harper 270, 275, I think is within the range of outcomes for him. So after Adam took Charlie Blackman, we saw Shane Bieber go off the board, Starling Marte to me at pick 28, Jose Altuve, Steven Strasburg, Cattell Marte, Rafael Devers to Chris Towers, Patrick Corbin to Scott White, Luis mm -hmm. Castillo, and then Lucas Giolito right now. We're at pick. We're rounding out the third round. Uh, Chris, Ravi Devers at 32. I mean, it's early in the draft. I think that's an argument for steal of the draft so far. What? Okay. Sorry to jump in there. Because it's uh, funny. Cause, that. No, I mean, I don't agree with that. I just, I thought, I was surprised Chris took him. Because I thought that Chris would have felt it was a little too risky. Chris? Chris, did you leave? Are you having a here? pizza bagel again? A bagel <laughs> bite, whatever. I had my mic muted. I apologize. It is. Uh, it is a little it. bit. It is a little bit risky. We've only got one season of uh, Rafael Devers performing at this level. Although, you know, in his case, it, it's it's a lot like, you know, one of the things we've talked about with those Astros hitters is a lot of them were super hyped prospects who came up and hit right away. And that's a big part of why we're not necessarily skeptical that a guy like Alex Bregman's going to suffer uh, from 
you know, whatever impact might happen from not being able to, uh, you know, bang on a trash can and steal signs. I think something sort of similar with Rafael Devers, where he's such a, he was such a good prospect. He was such an obvious top prospect. This was kind of what we thought he would be. And so it makes it a little easier to buy into, in my opinion. You know, it, it's also, you're not buying what he did last season at this price. He was like a top six hitter last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the regression is almost baked into his price right now. We're going to have to have the extensive Rafael Devers uh, talk at some point. I might have to debate Adam on this one because I'm much higher on Rafi Devers. I think you can argue he's a top 24 player. I like Rota. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, I just he was really, really bad two years ago. Huge bust. So After Devers went Patrick Corbin to Scott White, Lucas Ca- uh, Luis Castillo, Lucas Giolito, and then Jordan Alvarez rounds out round three. And then we saw to start round four, Keston Hiura. We know the position scarcity at second base. Adalberto Mondesi, stolen base upside, is massive, but could be a batting average liability. Aaron Judge, I mean, I don't understand why people are still drafting Aaron Judge. I know the season delayed should help Aaron Judge, but this is just mystifying to me. And then Scott White takes George Springer. So, Scott, uh, catch us up on what you're doing so far. You have you took Patrick Corbin and George Springer with your third and fourth round picks. Yeah, yeah. I almost took Jordan Alvarez there in round three instead of Corbin, but I was kind of rolling the dice thinking he could make it back to me in round four. Clearly, he didn't. Uh, I, I... I ended up going with George Springer in round four. I don't like him as much as Jordan Alvarez, but he does at least fill the spot as opposed to just taking up that utility spot. Um, and considering Castillo and Giolito went right after Corbin, I don't know. I don't know. I'm torn whether I should have just gone with Alvarez there, but um, it probably won't make a huge difference. I considered going with the steals specialist instead of Springer just because... I don't have any steals yet, really, and the early rounds are. You're you want to try and secure some in the early rounds. Chris went with Jonathan VR immediately after my George Springer pick. That was the main guy I was considering. It just seemed like Springer was just a little bit too high end of a bat to sacrifice that for for some steals. But I'm going to struggle for steals from this point forward. It's yeah, I'm not I'm not totally confident with the direction I've gone here. Yeah, that's the problem is trying to rack up stolen bases in a Roto Mm -hmm. League early. And that's why, you know, I wound up potentially pulling someone like Starling Marte up the board. But if you don't address stolen bases, you know, within the first five, six, seven rounds, I mean, you're going to end up drafting some guys later on who will give you steals, but will probably hurt you in other areas as well. So catching people up here after you took George Springer at pick 40, you mentioned Chris took Jonathan VR, Homer, Zach Granke, the next pick at 42, Glaber Torres at 43. I think that's a good value as well. Uh, Austin Meadows at 44. I took Charlie Morton at 45. And then Pete Alonzo at 46. Uh, Chris, I'm just kidding about the homer pick. I mean, we're talking about stolen bases. Jonathan VR, even if you have questions about the playing time, they haven't really settled on where he's going to play. It sounds like center field. Yeah. He's still going to give you 30-plus stolen bases. I think that's a pretty safe floor for him. Yeah, I think the expectation should be around 40. Uh, and there's there's upside beyond that, but it's, you know, it's obviously hard to say that he'll do that. The one thing that you have to be worried about, well, two things you have to be worried about with him. 
Uh, it's not so much the playing time on uh, VR's part, because I don't think the Marlins have enough good players to take him out of the lineup. The question is whether he gets traded to a contender that doesn't play him every day uh, at some point in the you know second half of the season. But you know, comparing him to Adalberto Mondesi, I think Mondesi's probably got more upside as a hitter, but I think VR is a safer bet to not kill you in batting average. I'm not convinced Mondesi's going to hit for power coming back from shoulder surgery, and uh, you know, Mondesi should steal more bases, but I think he's just a riskier player. So yeah. VR, I have a really strong base with my offense with Freddie Freeman and Rafael Devers, who will hit for power, drive in runs, score runs, and hit for average. So now it's Jonathan VR. I'm not hurting as much by, you know, the potential for his batting average to be low. And I'm sure you can argue that I've made a ton of mistakes in this draft already, but I made one pivotal mistake, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit here as I catch you up on what's happening. So after VR, we saw Granky. Labor Torres, Austin Meadows, I took Charlie Morton, Pete Alonzo, uh, Adam took Whit Merrifield, Javier Baez went at pick 48 to round out pick four, and then to start the fifth round, we've seen Bo Bichette, Josh Hader, Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, Matt Olson, and Clayton Kershaw. And I think the mistake that I made here is I you really wanted wanted Manny Machado. Oh, stop. At all. Uh, we'll have to get into that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, um, we need we need to. You're right. Rankings debate. I've got to defend my Manny Machado love now as well. Um, I, I wanted Javier Baez badly, but I also love Charlie Morton. So I probably should have taken Javier Baez in the fourth. And to me, even if Charlie Morton would have went between my fourth and fifth round pick, I think that either getting one of Clayton Kershaw or Darvish, if Morton went, would have been a negligible difference. But going from Javier Baez to Manny Machado for me is, is a pretty big drop-off. So I'm actually mad that I that I took Charlie Morton instead of Javier Baez. I, I think I should have went that route. Uh, why do you guys hate Manny Machado? He has basically been Mike Moustakis since the trade from the Orioles in the middle of 2018. I actually, I've done this comparison a few times, but the per 150 game pace for Machado since that trade is something like a 260 average, 33 homers like 90-ish runs, 90-ish RBI, and like five stolen bases. Mike Moustakas' per 150-game pace over the last two seasons is like a 255 average, 33 home runs, 90-ish runs, 90-ish RBI, and like three stolen bases. Maybe he will turn out to hit better than that this season. But Petco Park is a very hard place to hit, and he hasn't really been much more than a low 800s, high 700s OPS bat outside of Camden Yards in his career. Yeah, and you could explain it with the batted ball profile. He's con a consistently poor line drive hitter, so his fly balls need to clear the fence for him to be of much help in batting average. And in a small park like Camden, they do. Petco, not so much. All right, so for me, for Manny Machado, uh, I honestly, I can't get into it right now because I want to catch everyone else up on uh, what's going on in the draft. But uh, I will reveal, I'm sure, at some point, my love for Manny Machado, maybe as early as tomorrow. Little sneak peek for you there. Uh, after I took Manny Machado in the fifth round, we saw Matt Olson, Clayton Kershaw, you Darvish, uh, Chris took Chris Bryant, uh, Scott took Aaron Nola, then we saw Victor Robles, Blake Snell, and Tyler Glass now. Adam. 
what stands out to you if anything from round five you wound up taking Josh Hader with pick 50 and that was probably a standout pick uh, you know people were like really Josh Hader that early there were some aces still on the board Xander Bogarts was still on the board but I'm actually gonna still try a Hader Hader's basically my favorite player in Roto I think just ERA whip saves and you know he's gonna help in strikeouts compared to almost every other reliever and, you know, I read a quote from the Yankees pitching coach, Matt Blake, the other day. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. He said, like, he's a, he's a little worried. I don't remember exactly what he said, but the, the, the gist of it was he's a little worried that pitchers are going to struggle because of the time off. The delayed start of the season could affect pitchers, uh, you know, in a negative way. So I don't want that heavy of a lineup, on, uh, of a roster. I don't want too much starting pitching, I don't think in a roto league in a points league it might be a little bit different but i do think and i had that thought too independently that if anybody's going to be hurt by this it's, it could be starting pitchers just their routines are going to be messed with so badly um so yeah hater seems safer to me than taking a starting pitcher there and i'm going to see what happens if i can build the pitching staff that i like that doesn't have a lot of starting pitchers uh but what stood out to me i guess was victor robles a uh, guy who made oh my god scott such a bad how could you such bad contact last year <laughs> Tried something a little different. Here. I was trying to see if I could get Nelson Cruz in the next round. <laughs> yeah. And I might have been able to if you hadn't taken it. And we'd have gotten away yeah. with it, too, if it weren't for you damn oh, kids. That is... Meddling kids. Yeah. yeah. I was no. trying to figure out if I should take Nelson Cruz with my pick or this guy. I, I Obviously. Giancarlo Stanton. Uh-huh. I, I keep... Wait, wait, yeah, we, we, Cruz, we need a little like context here, okay? Because I'm talking about round five. You're into round six. And yeah. Jorge Soler had just gone off the board, and then Scott took Cruz before Chris could take him, and Chris took Stanton. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're seeing early... some sluggers come off the board in round six with Carlos Correa. Chris Paddock lasting till the sixth round seems like an interesting value at 62. Uh, and then Jorge Soler, Nelson Cruz, Stanton, Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo, Max Muncy. So even if you want to include Muncy in that mix of those like past five or six picks, these are where you're really starting to see the big home run RBI uh, run supporters kind of check in here in the sixth round. Scott, you took Cruz, and then Chris Towers, no surprise, took John Carlos Stan. I keep talking about how good of a value Cruz is, how awesome his numbers have been the past six years, and yet I'm never the one to draft him because he always it always catches me a little off guard versus ADP where he ends up going in our drafts, and uh, I've certainly seen him go this early. I seriously doubted he would make it back to me at the end of round seven. Chris, he wouldn't have that. He wouldn't have. Yes. Um, so I'm going to try it. I mean, a lot of times my utility spots already blocked by Jordan Alvarez at this point. So it's not even an option. Oh, wait, I just timed out. <laughs> oh, do you want Montana? The top player in my queue anyway. So that's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's I, how it works. So, yeah. So guys, okay. So, so, so the guy who right. just went after Frank here nor toward the end of round six, DJ LeMahieu, that's, who I normally would take in the round six range, and I passed up this time for Cruz. So we'll see how how my infield ends up shaping up because of that. So far, six rounds in, I only have one infielder. That's unlike me. And I want to talk about the dilemma I have now. I have, so far, Yelich, Blackman, and Merrifield. So I've got batting average. I've got some speed. I've got Mike Clevenger and Josh Hader, only one starting pitcher. Three players in my queue right now are JT Realmuto, Josh Bell, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I'm going to pass on Real Muto because the two-catcher league, there are so many spots, and his impact, I think, is minimized in this format. John, and with 
a potentially compressed schedule, I think, is impacting That's a good point. He's going to need to have to take days off. All right, I'm going to take Josh Bell because, you know, first base thins out a little bit here. And, yeah, I mean, I, there's still Goldschmidt. There's still Abreu. Not Abreu oh, anymore. Gosh. Abreu just went. I'm sure Frank wanted him. Uh, but I, you don't want to wait too long at first base. Yeah, you know, look, you can. You could just, hey, I'll take Edwin Encarnacion in round 12 or something like that. You can. But... I, you know, it does get pretty thin after Bell, Goldschmidt, and uh, Abreu come off the board because Santana's more of a points league. If, if Encarnacion has the bust year, if the bottom falls out this year, and that's who you're counting on as your first base, it's uh, it's pretty ugly after that. You might end up with Christian Walker or somebody worse yeah. than that as your first base. We like Luke, Luke Voigt. Boy. Yeah, you, you, you Luke, definitely Luke Voigt. like sure. Luke Voigt, but you never know when somebody's going to take them as a utility before you had the chance to take your first baseman. You're going to keep waiting and waiting. Um, and then, like, now I'm back on the clock after a few picks. I took Bell, then Abreu, and Eloy Jimenez went. And I really need pitching. So Barrios is not a bad option here. But, like, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I just, he's, this is the type of pick. It's it's risky. But if he hits, it's, like, I'm, that's, I'm taking him. Yeah, that's not a bad uh, pick now. He was the top pick in my in my uh, queue. That, that's a great pick at this point, Adam. And overall. Yeah. rounding out the the sixth round after Muncy, I took you on Moncada. I was going to take him. I didn't realize I was on the clock, which is something I need to pay attention to. It's which tough, I'm man. on the clock uh, right now, and uh, I'm going talk to it take, out. Uh, talk out your pick, Frank. Uh, so I took Jeff McNeil right now, and that's kind of just to round out the batting average and and to con- continue to keep the batting average afloat. I was considering starting pitchers as well, but I also I already have Jacob DeGrom and Charlie Morton, so those are two of my top 12 starting pitchers this season. And so I have J.D. Martinez, Starling Marte, Manny Machado, Yuan Moncada, and Jeff McNeil. So I think I have a good blend of I've got some power, I've got some speed, and I think Jeff McNeil helps kind of bring that batting average back up. I'd expect a two, 290, 20 home runs, maybe 5 to 10 stolen bases from Jeff McNeil. He'll give you a run scored uh, atop the Mets lineup. So that's what I was looking at here in the seventh round and catching people up on on what's happened. Uh, Adam took Josh Bell. Jose Abreu went to round out round six. And then Eloy Jimenez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Trevor Bauer, Jeff McNeil, JT Real Muto finally went, Eugenio Suarez, Gary Sanchez, and then Luis Robert to Chris Towers. I know many people are wondering where the uh, prospect um, was going to be drafted, and he went... At pick is it eight? Isn't he on your bus list? Where'd you say that Luis Roberts going too early? Now you take him eightieth overall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, cool. Explain right, yourself. So Chris. the thing is, I'm going heavy on hitting. Uh, I've only drafted one starting pitcher so far, and it's Garrett Cole, who I think is the best starting pitcher in fantasy. Um, I know I need some more speed. You know, beyond Jonathan VR, I've got Freddie Freeman, Rafael Devers, Giancarlo Stanton, Chris Bryant, and Luis Robert. Nobody's going to steal bases out of that group. I'd be lucky to get 20 total. Um, so that's part of it. Luis Robert obviously has 30 steal potential. I think it's more likely he steals around 20, but I'm also expecting him to hit for some power and possibly, possibly hit for average. You know, it, it's it's a situation where the most likely outcome is Luis Robert is a disappointing pick at number 80. The most likely outcome is his disappointing pick at number 100. But it's a good pick. The most likely outcome 
isn't always what's going to happen. Sure. Sometimes he's going to be the kind of player we're talking about as a first round pick. All right, but to sum it up, it's just the steals. The steals and the, the potential. And yeah, people people have to take steals guys earlier than they wanted to. I get that. That's cool. A guy just that we just caught me by surprise. My plan was to take Luis Robert and Nick Castellanos together. Mm. Uh, nope. And I wasn't sure who mm. had a better chance of getting back to me. I assumed it would be Nick Castellanos. Uh, we'll oh. never know, but he did not get back to me. No, that plan has been foiled. By that the way, plan has been foiled. One I would agree so with far? that plan, by the way, Chris. If you were just debating those two, who's more likely to make it back? I agree with you that I think it's more likely Castellanos would have made it back to you rather than Luis Robert. So Robert goes at pick 80 in round seven here, and then Scott takes Paul Goldschmidt, Jose Barrios off the board, Sonny Gray, and then Nick Castellanos to round out round seven. And then Miguel Sano kicks us off in Ooh. round eight. Uh, Scott White is Man. coming back up. Yeah, I mean, it's a little early here on, uh, on Miguel Sano to go pick 85. Usually goes outside the top 100, Ooh. you know, between 100 and 110. <laughs> That's usually the range that Miguel Sano lives in. But then Chapman and Mike Moustakis. So we see a little third base run here. Uh, and Scott, yeah. you're on the clock. So kind of talk us through what's going on in your mind right now and uh, kind of where you're pitching at. Do you agree with what Adam says that, you know, maybe pitching lags earlier in the season and, and you should fade them earlier on in this draft? I I understand the argument and it may, it, it's just really hard to say. It's just really hard to say that the, the ripple effect of a condensed schedule and how it'll impact everybody. I'm trying not to overthink it. I'm in so deep on high end pitching that I'm just going to stay the course and see if it works out the way I thought it was going to originally. Um, right now with this pick, I'm torn between skill scarcity and position scarcity because I have a lot of infield needs still and those tiers are drying up. And yet at the same time, I don't have a true base dealer yet. Uh, I was, I was kind of, pinned into a corner last round in round seven, kind of like Chris took one of his bus picks, Louise Robert in round seven. I took one of mine, Paul Goldschmidt, because I was worried about the drop off at first base. Uh, it looked like the three teams after me both had shortstop and third base pretty well in hand. Um, oh, I have Bregman, so I don't need a third baseman anyway. That's fine. I ended up getting Simeon. They all had a shortstop. Simeon, I have higher ranked than Goldschmidt, and I like more than Goldschmidt. Simeon made it back to me anyway because the three teams after me each had a shortstop. So that worked out nicely. Still, I don't love having to rely on Goldschmidt, and I don't love that I don't have a projected 20 steal guy yet among my five hitters and three pitchers. I want to point out a couple of trends in the draft. Okay, we're 90 picks in, and first base, you Goldschmidt, Abreu, they're off the board. The best first baseman. Uh, left is what probably Carlos Santana, yeah, and then Reese Hoskins, who was the number eight yeah. first baseman in this format last. Yeah, right. he was outlier really good. season for batting average, but yeah. Pitchers, uh, only two closers off the board. I took Hater fifty something like early fifties, and Chris took Yates eighty uh, nine. Eighty nine. So and then that's probably Chapman, Chapman went. went sorry, Ch Chapman went ninety. So that surprised me. Maybe I could have waited another round on Hater, except I I have a fairly early pick of the second pick, so I would have had to wait nearly two full rounds. But obviously, you don't like to see Hater. You don't like to take Hater and then see nearly 40 picks go before the next closer. But you live and you learn. 
Um, <laughs> and then we're kind of running out of the top 37. Uh, I'm on the clock now, and I think I have to take Frankie Montas. So the guys, there's still mm-hmm. a decent amount left. You got. It's not a 37 anymore. It's a 35. 35. Okay, so you got. Garden Sailor gone. Soroka, Montas, Kluber, Wheeler, uh, Shohei Otani. So like, I take Montas over Otani if we were playing a full season. But should I take Otani over Montas, considering Otani's gonna be ready right from the jump? It, I wouldn't. Yes, the answer is yes. I will. I understand okay. that you wouldn't. But but the fact that you hesitated meant that it was justifiable. <laughs> so I went with. I mean, gut. the biggest downside of Otani, be even assuming he's healthy from the start, is he he's going to be the sixth man in a rotation as opposed to the fifth man in a rotation. One of one of five guys in a rotation. That makes a difference, you know. How does that affect it though? By the fact that they're going to be cramming games in and playing double headers, I that think force it hurts them? his value actually. Because really? they're gonna, I don't think he's gonna be the sixth man. I think he's gonna pitch every six days. Right. Well, and you know so what? Maybe I'll take them both. Going... What's that? Maybe I'll take both of them. Maybe. So to round out round eight, we saw after Scott took Marcus Semyon, he was on the clock for that pick. We saw Kirby Yates go to Chris. Then Aroldis Chapman. We're starting to see a little bit of a closer run. Tommy Pham goes off the board at ninety-one. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, Ramon Laureano was a, the pick that I made in round eight. And then Roberto Osuna, Adam took Shohei Otani, Jesus Lazardo. Interestingly enough, through nine rounds, Brant Chasser uh, only has one starting pitcher, and that pitcher is Jesus Lazardo, who he just selected. So he might be subscribing to the same theory that you are, Adam. And then Adam Azer goes ahead and takes Corey Seager. Reach. And I am very pleased that you did not take Frankie Montas, Adam. Yeah, you're going to take him? I, look, Seager was Scott's second highest ranked shortstop on the board. Um, considering Miguel Sano went in the 80s and I took Seager 99th, uh, 98th, you know, I don't, I'm not convinced he would have made it back to me. And if he and Polanco are both gone, then I'm going to be starting Elvis Andrews or Didi Gregorius or Gene Segura or something like that at shortstop. So I think, I think, Seager in this, given what's going on right now, when I have two starting pitchers. Chris, you have how many? One. You have one. Frank just told us another fantasy manager in this league has one. That means hitters are being pushed up in this league, okay? So 98th versus Corey Seager is not a reach. I think when you, when you paint it that way, I think you probably still could have gotten him later on. And, and even to take him over someone like Tim Anderson, Adam, I don't I mean, need where steals. Tim Anderson is going to. I mean, do you just doubt Tim Anderson? Because yes. I think that he's a 2020 player, and you're passing on legitimate stolen base help there. Uh, by not I, ha- taking Tim I have Blackman and Yelich. If I get one more guy later and I have somebody that I'm targeting, I'll at least be competitive. I'm well, sorry. I have, I have not Blackman and Yelich. I have, I have Merrifield. Merrifield and Yelich. Okay, yeah. Sorry about that. I have Blackman historically has been double digits guy. Last year was the exception, right? But he's getting older. Some. I don't, I don't even expect 10, but I think I'm one yeah. more guy who can steal 15 to 20 bases away from being very competitive in the category. You know, not going to win it, but won't be a liability. So, no, I'm not going to take Tim Anderson because I just don't really believe in him. I think Seager is a better hitter. All right, fair enough. I, I believe in Tim Anderson a little bit more. I like the uh, improvements that he made last year in terms of his batted ball data, just 
spraying the ball around a little bit more and his uh, his expected batting average was the highest of his career. So I think that, you know, he's not going to hit over 300 again. I think he's probably more of a 270, 280 hitter. But if he does that with 2020, I think he's a really good value at 99. Uh, I took Frankie Montas at pick 100. Ahmed Rosario goes off the board. Mitch Garver. That, that looks like a really bad pick, by the way. Ahmed Which Rosario, pick? 100th. Yeah, it's, I it's wonder. Reach. Did he have a shortstop yet? Because shortstop has just gotten pretty ugly. He didn't. But so that's, he was but that's the feeling... thing. And that's why I took Corey Seager. Yeah. So if you're right. at that point where it's like, okay, I'm not going to be good at shortstop, just wait. Then you punt and you take Gene Segura or Dansby Swanson because those guys could have good years. I mean, or I, I mean, the most underrated shortstop of all, Jorge Polanco, is still out there. Yeah, like, I I don't know why you'd go with Rosario. I I guess there's the chance Rosario gives you 15 to 20 steals. It's not a guarantee, but there's at least hope for that. Um, I I think I think it's a desperation move though if you're doing that. Yeah. yeah. My point is, don't fill a position because you don't have it. Now, look, maybe he believes in in uh, Ahmed Rosario. Rosario is getting better every year. Okay, so I I do like that about him. But I just don't think he's quite good enough. I mean, 33.4% hard contact rate is not extremely expiring, inspiring. Uh, but my point is don't just fill a position because you don't have it yet. It, at one point, at what point, or at one point, you have to say, look, I'm just going to be weak at shortstop, so I might as well be great at other positions and just wait. And that's a really right. good point in a roto league because, look, it's a deeper format where you have the middle infield, you have the corner infield, you have five outfielders. You have to realize going in, you are not going to be strong at every position. So I think that that's a really good point to remind people, Scott, uh, Adam, and you don't want to just reach on a position because that position is drying out. And I agree. I think that there are warning signs with Ahmed Rosario. He was caught stealing a bunch last year. You worry about where he's going to bat in the lineup for the Mets. Is he going to bat near the bottom of that lineup again? So I do have some concerns there. Uh, but catching you up on round nine, we saw Josh Donaldson go at pick 103 right after... Mitch Garver and Ahmed Rosario, Marcelo Zuna to Chris. We saw Kevin Biggio to Scott. Uh, and then Zach Wheeler, Michael Brantley, Zach Gallen rounds out round nine. And then we saw Brad Hand, another closer off the board, Max Kepler and Danny Santana. So we're seeing, you know, while, look, the hitters are being pulled up the board and, and specifically time. stolen bases. I mean, Danny Santana at 111 here and Ahmed Rosario got pulled up the board a little bit. And and now we're seeing Scott just took Tommy Edmond at pick 112. So, Scott, I mean, talk about that. Is this just a, 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 a category scarcity situation where did you want Tommy Edmond or are you just looking at it and saying, look, I need someone that's going to give me 20 stolen bases? Yeah, I mean, if I already had stolen base, bases covered now, I don't think Edmond would be my pick here. I think this is perfectly appropriate value for Edmond and Kind of what I did here, pairing Biggio and Edmund in my round nine, round ten picks. That's that's plan A if you pass up on the, the legitimately high end base stealers because they are players who who have a chance of contributing in other ways. It's not just they should give you a healthy steals total. They should give you twenty plus, maybe as many as thirty for Edmund, um, but they should be able to contribute in other ways too. It's not a Malik Smith situation where you're totally selling out for steals. So I, I feel okay with my steel situation now yeah. after pairing those two picks. I had to give up some other things. Yasmani Grandal is still out there when all the other big catchers have gone. He's he's kind of fallen quite a bit. Um, when Carlos are we Santana going, is still out there. When are we going to get a— Goldschmidt pick in round seven. When are we going to get a pitching run? 
Chris just yeah. took Corey Kluber 113th. It is unbelievable. I've never, I don't think I've seen a roto draft like this where pitching is being devalued this much and it's time for me to take Carlos Carrasco. I, I'm still well, going to end up with a good pitching staff and I thought I was going to have a horrible pitching staff. This I don't have weird. my fourth yet. I haven't normally by round 10, I would, but there are still enough left from that group of 35. I think I see four Soroka's or five. Still out there. Yeah, and, and, and look, Paxton's part of the group now again, too. He should oh, be right. Oh, I for forgot the start about him. Oh, I should have taken yeah. him. Into existence, Adam, <laughs> uh, Scott, because uh, James Paxton just went off the board at pick oh. 120. So oh, after Chris took Corey Kluber, we saw Eddie Rosario go, Michael Conforto, Gavin Lux. I took Max Freed. Wait, let's talk about and, Lux. Uh, yeah, so what Gavin Lux, I mean, a lot of people consider him one of the top prospects in baseball, but I think a situation we have with the Dodgers every year is, is he just going to, is he going to play enough? I think you can argue that for him, Max Muncie. I mean, they have about as much depth as anyone in baseball, and it's kind of a similar situation to what the Yankees have. So Gavin Lux, I mean, is this the right spot for him to go at, at pick 116 in the 10th round? Uh, no, I feel like he's been going a lot later than this, especially since it's not clear he has the job. I mean, but wouldn't he benefit he, from the schedule from double headers? And he might play a higher percentage of their games. Yeah, and because I but, think if we if have starting in the minors, though, like, no, I guess not. That's totally on the in the but realm of possibility. If we have 30 man rosters or 28 man rosters, wouldn't you expect him to start in the majors? They're going to need depth. They're going to need guys who can play multiple positions. Maybe Lux Man, would be somebody who really benefits from a shortened season because I, everybody's going to play a, sh a smaller percent. Like, all the studs are going to play a smaller percentage of the games because you can't run them out there every day if we have, you know, eight games, nine games a week. I, who knows what it's going to be? But would Lux actually benefit? Possibly. If you'll indulge me, though, the one thing I would say is, uh, you know, you could take Gavin Lux or you could take Eduardo Escobar. Eduardo Escobar is Eduardo Escobar. Gavin Lux could be anything. Eduardo Escobar was the number 31 player last season. I guess that comes down to your evaluation of Eduardo Escobar because I think he was helped out by the juice ball last year. Like, I don't think we're going to see 30 home runs again from Eduardo Escobar. We're probably closer to 25 to 27 homers, and which is fine. I mean, he'll give you some runs, some RBIs, but like doesn't contribute stolen bases. Maybe he'll give you a handful 260 hitter he's just he's fine like I think he kind of is what he is but I would argue for taking Lux over him just because of that factor that you mentioned Chris is is the unknown I mean Gavin Lux could be 25 home runs 10 stolen bases he could be he also might not be able to hit lefties at all fair point fair point so after Gavin Lux in the 10th round uh, Max Freed went to me Andrew Benintendi, uh, Adam mentioned that he took Carlos Carrasco, James Paxton off the board, and now we're starting to see a little bit of a closer run. Ken Giles uh, at pick 121, Taylor Rogers to Adam, Mike Soroka, I took Edwin Diaz, Eduardo per uh, Rodriguez, and then Madison Bumgarner, Liam Hendricks, and Lance Lynn. So uh, any surprise that it seems like once the run starts that all the relievers start to go and Round 11 seems like a fair round for Giles, Taylor Rogers, Edwin Diaz, and Liam Hendricks to all go off the board. Yeah. It, look, I'd like to ask you a question, Frank, because you're right about sure. the closers. You took Max Fried over James Paxton. Is that the same reason I took 
uh, some, some, whoever I took over Paxton because you didn't see Carlos him. Carrasco. Yeah. You didn't see him. Well, even two rounds earlier, I would have taken, I would have taken Paxton over Otani. Uh, is that just because the rankings aren't updated and you didn't see him? Cause that is why I did not take James Paxton. No. So I've, I've moved Paxton up my ranks and I have him inside my top 35 starting pitchers, but uh, I have Max Fried still a little bit higher than him. I just, Max Fried, a lot of people talk about as one of those potential breakout candidates this year. And I agree. I like what I saw in the second half. He improved his command tremendously last year compared to where it was at in the minor leagues. Uh, and look, while the delay helps, the shortened season helps James Paxton, he is still going to be at risk for re-injury. I mean, that's always going to be on the table for Paxton, whether it's his back. He's dealt with a bunch of different injuries, a shoulder as well. Maybe. So uh, I just I, I worry about the risk for re-injury when, with, when it comes to Paxton. Uh, I would still take Max Fried over him regardless. Okay, fair enough. So after Liam Hendricks went off the board, we saw Chris Towers take Lance Lynn, doubling down on the Rangers starting pitchers there. Yasmani Grandal to Scott White. Uh, we saw Kenley Jansen, another reliever go. Carlos Santana, Julio Urias uh, to round out 11. And he's one of those starting pitchers that, you know, a lot of people think can see uh, a boost in value because the season being shorter. If there's no innings limits, then we could potentially see uh, Urias uh, pitch for a majority of the season, maybe even the entire season. Mark Canna, Scott, Mark Canna goes with the first pick of round 12. Is he someone that you were targeting in this range? Or it, it seems a little bit early. I mean, 133 for Mark Canna. That's maybe the earliest I've seen him go. Yeah, that's that's on the early side um, for sure. Uh, I was actually more Wait, Scott, you, Scott that, auto-picked. Uh, what you auto pick? I know, I know. Are you I cool was, with that? It took out of my queue. It's fine. All right, cool. Um, I was actually more bemoaning that the, those pitchers I was talking about in the top thirty-seven. How many of them were left? They just went boom, 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 right one right after another. So I have to settle for Hyunjin Ryu as my fourth here in round twelve, and he's technically part of the thirty-five. And I guess he's someone who the shortened season would help because they were talking about limiting him to one hundred fifty innings. Um. You know, obviously, they're not going to have to break up his starts as much to do that now. So, I mean, he should give me a good ERA and whip. And it's kind of like discounted version of Mike Soroka, I guess. But, um, you know, not as exciting. A little, little bummed out by that. I did get Yasmani Grandal around 11, which seemed like great value considering. Yes. Uh, considering Garver and Wilson Contreras both went in round nine. The problem it doesn't is, seem like it doesn't seem like Rundall should be discounted that much. No, but the problem is like I'm about to have the best pick of the draft in three picks, <laughs> and like everything Whoa. everything you guys are talking about right now just doesn't matter because I'm two picks away from stealing the draft. Unless and I take him from you right now, it Adam. could be <laughs> because oh, I am taking. No, I don't think you want this player. I'm taking Reese Hoskins, no. and Whew. I wanted Jose Abreu earlier, but if you tell me I can get Reese Hoskins in. Round 12, who I think can hit 35 home runs and drive in 100 in that Phillies lineup? Sure. I mean, I, I don't mind waiting on first base if I can get Reese Hoskins in round 12 uh, just to see what everyone else has done. Eduardo Escobar, Chris Towers putting his money where his mouth is, so I do appreciate that. I mean, it was 138th overall. He's a second-base eligible player. I don't know if people realize he's second-base eligible, but I was able to just move... John Leviard is shortstop and Eduardo Escobar at second base. That's nice. pretty great value. Okay, everybody ready? Sitting down? 
Uh-oh. He said he, he's going to steal more bases, folks. He's going to hit 300. He's David Dahl, my third oh, outfielder, 143rd overall. Does mm. this league have IL spots? <laughs> he's, not, he's short season. He's not going on the IL. But we never really – I don't know if we ever talked about that news item that he said he was going to run more. Yeah, I don't well, think we did. I don't think we got a chance to. Yeah, he's supposed he to actually, bat lead off. And... Did he actually say he was going to run more? I yes, saw like he a said, tweet. He said, I need to steal more bases. Basic. I I think that's. I'm not sure if that's exactly the quote, but it was it was about as blunt as that. Yes. Hmm. You know, running at him is probably going to lead to more bases. So I would not. Uh, uh, running more is going to lead to more injuries. So uh, <laughs> I would not consider that the uh, feet first. He'll slide the, feet first. The steal of the draft here, and for that, Adam, you right. get you get one of these. <laughs> okay. So it was how about this one? Some, uh, you're gonna you're gonna be like, whoa. Looking back, that was an amazing pick. Kyle Tucker, 146. Yeah, oh, I like that one more. That's, oh. that's who I almost went oh. with instead of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what up? I had yeah. him in my queue for three rounds, and I had plotted it out. And I was like, how long can I wait? I could probably get him in this round. And you're a jerk. So you're was, a stinky jerk. That was a Chris Towers sigh if I ever heard one. That was, yeah, yeah. That was like an exclamation sigh. All right, so the quote from David Dahl, FBT listener at JT Marlin 77 sent him a message. You, have, you haven't stolen a lot of bases so far, just game flow related. Dahl said, I need to steal more and will look to do that this year. That's a little, that's a little thin. <laughs> what? What do you want we'll to say? Look, we'll look to do that more. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you're going to find a quote that addresses it more directly than that. Are you kidding me? Like, I need, I need to do that. I, what did he say? What was the quote? <laughs> I, I will look to do that more. Well, what, was first, what was the first? What was the first sentence? Adam, the if first I told sentence. you, I haven't seen Evil Dead Three yet. I will look to watch Evil Dead. 3. What was the first? Does that sentence? make you think I will go see Evil Dead? Didn't he say I will? What did he say? First sentence. I haven't stolen enough, or I haven't stolen enough bases. I will like look that. to do that more. I'm pretty confident that it's going to be a some somewhat of a priority for him. Oh, Chris, you just sniped me. That was so. My plan was Matthew Boyd in round thirteen, short, short eight pick gap, Kyle Tucker in round fourteen. That was my plan from like round eleven on, and Adam ruined it because he's a stinky yeah, jerk. The circular circle circle of ruinage here, because you got uh, me too. Catching people up on what has happened in the draft. Uh, it, back going back to round twelve, we saw Nick Anderson, uh, catcher Will Smith go off the board. I took Hoskins, Scott Kingery, then went David Dahl, the steal of the draft to Adam Azer in round twelve, and then Kyle Hendricks. Uh, to end that round. And then beginning round 13, we've seen Oscar Mercado, Kyle Tucker, David Price. I took Craig Kimbrell. And then Hector Neris, Kyle Schwarber, uh, Sean Manaya, Matthew Boyd to Chris Towers, uh, J.D. Davis on brand there to Scott White, Malik Smith, uh, and Justin Turner. So, uh, Chris, why don't you kind of catch us up? I feel like we haven't uh, heard from you in a while in terms of What's going on with the team here? How has the uh, pitching kind of came together after just taking Gar um, Garrett Cole and waiting a while for your second starter? I'm actually pretty happy with it. Uh, I've got Garrett Cole, Corey Kluber, Lance Lynn, Matthew Boyd, and Kirby Yates. So 
I've got one elite closer who I got around 80th overall. I'm fine with that value. Um, and then I've got, you know, four other pitchers or three other pitchers after Garrett Cole who I think have significant strikeout upside, especially Boyd and Lynn. They were both in like the 240, 250 range last season. And I think Corey Kluber has a better chance of bouncing back than most people seem to. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if I had top, you know, the number one starting pitcher and then three other top 30 guys. Wow. You you, you think Kluber, you wouldn't be surprised at all if Kluber is the number one starting pitcher this year? No, he is, is that Cole. No, he is Garrett Cole. Hypes? He is Garrett oh, okay. Cole. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, that <laughs> makes more sense. No, was, this draft was really strange with the way pitchers were drafted. So, yeah, it paid to wait. Can I just say something about Malik Smith? He went, what what number was that? That was 154. Not a bad pick. A perfectly no. fine time to take him. But the guy who took Malik Smith, Chris Mitchell, he has Danny Santana, Trevor Story, and Victor Robles. Like, yeah, it seems like overkill. Oh, Seems like seems it's a hundred percent. Seems like overkill. not the guy who <laughs> yeah. needs to take the hit that Malik Smith is Smith is going to deliver in the other categories. So you can do that if you're just saying, okay, I'm just going to trade a stolen base guy or two stolen base guys. Like if that's your goal, fine. But if you're going to play this out and not make any trades, then this this guy did not need Malik Smith. I will. Say, I was. I was consider it was either Malik Smith or Fran Mel Reyes with my next pick and. Neither of them made it to me, so now I have to go back to the drawing board. But I was, I would, would have been happy to take him uh, with my next pick, even though I have VR and Robert. Why? Why would you do that if you have VR and Robert? Uh, well, Robert isn't a guarantee to be a significant steal source. I like the upside, but it's not a guarantee. Uh, VR and Smith, with a lineup that includes Freddie Freeman and Rafael Devers and. Giancarlo Stanton and Chris Bryant. I think I could have afforded to take the hit. And I also don't think Malik Smith is going to hit for as low of a batting average as he did last year. He hit 270 in 2017, 295 in 2018. I think he's probably more in that range this year. Um, so I don't think he's going to just be empty steals. He might be nothing if he hits close to what he did last year because they, I doubt even the Mariners would keep him in the lineup for long. It's not sure. like he's a long-term building block. Uh, yeah, but but I'm just wondering, this is probably a topic for another show because I saw Garrett Hampson went 157th overall. That was three picks after Malik Smith. No, he's not the base dealer Malik Smith is, but I, you know, I like that pick a lot of Garrett Hampson. He was the first guy in my queue. I was going to think about taking him. But I'm just wondering if the shortened season is going to make players that you're worried about their playing time, if it's just going to take that away. If teams need a guy like Garrett Hampson, a, a guy who can play multiple positions, and maybe he's not an everyday player, but maybe it doesn't matter because very, very few players are going to be everyday players. So I, maybe that's a topic for a different show, something we could dive a little bit deeper into. But I like that Hampson pick. Adam, it's you want to know? Go ahead. It, I, I was just going to say it's a, it's a leap because not everything that's being discussed is actually going to be implemented weekly double headers. Maybe, Definitely. maybe not. I mean, we, even when double headers do exist, we see players play both games of double headers all the time. Because they're so infrequent. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's easy. That's a fine enough theory, but then if it doesn't come to be, <laughs> oh, <it will>. um, <laughs> you know, what's, what's that going to mean? I, Adam, I just want to tell you the the actual steal of the draft. 
Oh, the one I'm about to take with my next No, pick? Hunter Dozier, like three rounds after Derek, Derek, yeah. David Dahl, who was a better hitter last season, and headline from MLB.com, Dozier's 2020 priority, more stolen bases. I think if this is the dumbest <laughs> quote I've ever heard, by the way. <laughs> I think if I'm an outfielder, which I will be this year, I definitely want to steal more bags. Maybe not as important as a third baseman, but as an outfielder, yeah, I want to get more. However, there is also a quote from Mike Matheny that he thinks he'll run more. You know, the speed is there. Uh, so, yeah. I like that pick quite a bit um, of Hunter Dozier. He was really, really good before his injury, and taking him in the 160s is a very nice time to do that. But I took Edwin Encarnacion, who's just obviously going to hit 35 home runs, so all, all is well. I thought Fran Mill Reyes to end round 13 at 156 was a great value. His ADP yep. is in the 130s, so you get him about 20, 25 picks later than his ADP. And then round 14 is looking like Garrett Hampson, Mike Miner, Robbie Ray. Scott takes Willie Calhoun. Chris mentioned he took Hunter Dozier. Uh, then we see Jorge Polanco, who can be a plus runs provider uh, at 162. I mean, that just that seems like a great value just comparatively to uh, Scott taking uh, Adam taking Corey Seager inside the top 100. Just going to throw <laughs> that out there. Uh, Brandon Workman goes at 163. Alex Colome. I took Salvador Perez as my first catcher. Then Brian Reynolds, Adam Homer. Just kidding. He doesn't play for the Yankees anymore. <laughs> Edwin Encarnacion uh, and Ar Archie Bradley here. In round 14, Edwin Encarnacion, look, round 14, Adam, 30, 35 home runs. It's easy power. Yeah, I think I don't think Mark Canna and J.D. Davis, sorry, should be going ahead of Edwin Encarnacion uh, personally. I think Scott would probably disagree with me since they, they both, would, did, they both did go ahead. But that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, you You're entitled to your opinion. You're an analyst now. You <laughs> have am. opinions. It's so weird to have opinions. Uh <laughs> Yeah, not like you, not like you hesitated to share them before. No, but now it's like I now it's like I can't just now people might listen to them. Yeah, I can't just be so submissive <laughs> and be like, "Well, you're right, I'm wrong." Horror of horrors. Yeah. Adam, are you ready for the actual steal of the draft? I have you right now. It is my pick <laughs> at 172 in round 15, and I am looking for power. And this gentleman has not been drafted. Oh man. K. Oh yeah. Eight I mean, at 172, Adam. That's a great pick. That's the taken steal him. of the draft. I should have taken him. And you know what? I, I almost never, well, I wouldn't say that, but I rarely look at the just utility drop down, and that's what gets me. He's utility only. That's what gets me. Yeah, that's one to pay attention to. It's, you know, sometimes you sleep on the utility guys because you just don't see them. Uh, if you don't go to the utility uh, position here when you're looking through, kind of scrolling through and setting up your queue for your next pick. And remember, the starting pitchers and just all players that have been affected by the shortened season, they're going to be lower in ranking, lower in ADP. Uh, something that Adam mentioned earlier regarding James Paxton, it's just something to keep in mind if you're still drafting now or if you're doing mock drafts or if your league just randomly decides to still have their draft at this time, which you shouldn't. Uh, just remember, some players are going to be kind of scatterbrained with everything going on. Yep. Adam. Part of the problem is you sort by my rankings, right? Yes, and you're not high yeah. on him. No. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. So you got if you're higher on someone than Scott is, and you're sorting by Scott's <laughs> rankings, just put them in your queue or write them down on a piece of paper before your draft starts. When is Chris going to take Luke Voigt? I'm thinking next round. Chris is going to take Luke Voigt. Can you stop? I'm not Ooh, take there's him. a guy who has two picks. 
between my next pick, who is Do on it, the Scott. podcast. Do Can it, you Scott. Please not? Scott doesn't like Luke Voigt. Scott no, hates Luke Voigt. I, I think I, I think I'm gonna take the Trey Mancini lunge here. Yeah. Seems it seems low risk, high reward. I mean, he's got plenty of time to recover too. Obviously, an abnormal situation having a tumor removed from his colon. But I will hope for the best, as we all are. Scott, what are you gonna do about saves? Right now you have Verlander, Corbin, Nola, and Ryu. Those are your only pitchers. Yeah. I am going to shop the bargain bin for saves, as I've done in even in my fifteen team leagues. There are certain save sources that just nobody wants, and I will be happy to grab those later. It's it's worked out for me in the past, so I'm just gonna trust it's going to work out here too. And I am I have basically every time we've done one of these two catcher roto drafts with five outfielders, corner infield, middle infield, or utility and nine pitcher spots, I have almost every time uh waiting on catcher. But I don't want to I don't want to have two terrible catchers. Chris took Wilson Ramos. I was I was gonna take him. If I can get Carson Kelly in this round, I will. But we're in round sixteen now, so it's just I can never bring myself to make the investment on catcher. Spoiler yeah. alert, Wilson Ramos is uh we're going to talk about Wilson Ramos tomorrow, let's say. Oh. Ooh, a little sneak peek. And it's I'm worth a big fan. Reminding people that on tomorrow's show, we'll reveal uh, my, uh, mine, Chris's, and Scott's all-star team for fantasy baseball this year. Like, which players are we targeting at each position uh, consistently throughout all the drafts that we've done so far? So it doesn't just have to be all top players. It's just players that we've kind of wound up the most, players that you know we like their value uh, where they're going right now. So we will have that on tomorrow's show. But we're actually coming up on an hour here, and we're 16 rounds in. So, uh, Scott, the rest of these results are going to be on posted on CBSSports.com, right? Yes, they will. You can you they can go longer if you want, Frank. It's your call now. You're the man now, dog. Oh, is that allowed? Are Absolutely. we allowed to yeah. exceed to, the time limit? Uh, yeah. Can I, can I break the rules? For mock draft, I mean, I I don't think I've ever gone longer than like an hour fifteen on a mock draft. But all right, so let's keep it let's keep it going then. Oh, we're making great all time. Right. Great let's time. Let's do it. Let's I like keep it. it. So I'll I'll catch people up on uh, what's happened in uh, round fifteen since I took Chris Davis, Jose Leclerc, Kenta Maeda, Jose Urquidy. They must have been listening to the deep dive. Wilson Ramos to Chris, Trey Mantini to Scott, uh, Marcus Stroman to uh, Chris Mitchell. Then we saw Hansel Robles, Avisael Garcia, uh, Keone Kella to start off round 16, Will Myers, Nick Senzel, uh, Lourdes Guriel to Scott. God damn it, Scott. I, want, I wanted Lourdes Guriel. He was at the top of the queue. I know. I don't even like him. but Yeah, no. but I mean, this is a great value. 184 right. for Guriel. I mean, if you expect 25 home runs, maybe 10 steals. It's just, I mean, just, just look at what value. he's done in his career. It's about one full season, and it's well worth a pick 60 spots before this. Chris, who did you take after Lourdes Gurriel went? I took Lou Voigt. Oh, weird. Did, did not see that one coming. My corner <laughs> infielder, great value. Uh, we'll talk about him tomorrow as well, I would imagine. I like it. I think it's a good pick. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's 185th overall, 184th overall for a guy who last season before the injury was basically on pace for the same exact season Carlos Santana had, and Carlos Santana was the number eight first baseman in this format. I'll take that every single time. All right, so we are in round 16. I just took Elvis Andrews at 189, and I understand, look, 
He was on our all-decade team, not surprisingly. <laughs> Scott, unfortunately, had Troy Tulowitzki as his shortstop of the decade. But I had to continue the theme of Elvis Andrews. And look, even at his advanced age, he's probably going to give you 10 to 12 home runs and 20 stolen bases. And you're getting that at pick 189 in round 16. I mean, does anyone else kind of think uh, that, that he's just underrated because he's like a boring I mean, player? Also, advanced age, he's 31. And he was the number 71 player in Roto last season. So he yeah. shows a lot of skills decline, though. And he's an old 31. Shortstop is a high demand position. Then players don't age well there. And he started at 20, I think. Scott, I'm an old 31. <laughs> well, no arguments here. You're only as old as you feel, Chris. I feel like 57. Oh, no. <laughs> Adam, you did that on purpose just now, didn't you? Taking uh, Gio Urshela. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that was my next pick. Yeah, no, it, it would have been a, I, would have been a great pick. I didn't wait this long for him. I guess I waited too long. Love Urshela. We don't need to get into that again because we've done that on half the podcast. Yeah, probably season. Wait, you like you, Urshela? <laughs> uh, rounding out uh, for round sixteen, we saw Byron Buxton, uh, Gio Urshela go to Adam. And then CJ Crone. And to start round 17, we, we just saw Mackenzie Gore uh, off the board. Something we haven't talked about yet. And you know, maybe we can get into it a little bit more. But I'll bring it up here uh, today. Does the delay of the season, does a shortened season affect prospects being called up? Or do you kind of still, because we don't know, you know what the service time is going to look like necessarily. But, I mean, would you still think that Mackenzie Gore has the same timeline as he did before like do you still expect him to make his debut I'll throw this one your way uh Scott I mean does this season being shortened kind of evaluate how you um look at prospects in a redraft league this season uh yes kind of it's it's another situation where I, I guess I just have trouble with the theoretical that, that that's just not something my brain handles well um so to speculate on how teams are going to behave based on this is like i feel like it's almost guessing it's almost guessing and i i don't like i don't like dealing in guesswork so you are such I, a samuel tarley <laughs> <laughs> why is beyond his oh, oh sir i don't know how to guess that's the samuel tarley impersonation <laughs> nailed it that's that's what the little test I took showed. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I think I think I think I read that it's supposed to be. Um, it's still based on a percentage, so it's still a mm -hmm. certain percentage of the season that the service time check marks that, well, that's going to be influenced by that. So no. Uh, no, it's the way it works currently is it's based on a percentage of total players. So every player. Who has less that's than for a year Super of service two, time. right? That's yeah. for Super well, that's, Two, but not for the other one. Whatever the other one's called. Oh, uh, I thought yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I have to pick pick here and I haven't been paying attention. Just take Gio Rochelle. Take Rochelle, yeah. Four, three, two. Luke Weaver. Good pick. <laughs> Great. Glad you think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not thrilled with that. That serves me right for trying to podcast while I'm drafting. Hey, you know, maybe Odorizzi deserves a little more love. Frank, what do you think about Odorizzi? I believe he had a velocity increase last year, and that mm -hmm. that is a big deal. 
And also, if you just like kind of look at what he was in his raised days, I think taking him 210th overall or whatever, we're 203 right now, would, would it be justifiable? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Odorizzi. I mean, yes, the velo spike, he pitched well last year, but he can't go the third time through the order. So I guess he is better as a roto player because if they just let him go five innings, two times through the order, I mean, his numbers third time through were terrible. Yeah, nine so quality starts and 30 starts. <laughs> you're, so you're right about the roto thing. Yeah, so, I mean, he might be really good when he pitches and makes about, you know, goes about five innings in, but... Uh, yeah, look, he he surprised some people last year. He kind of bounced back to the player we've seen him uh, be in the past. But I think outside of Roto, yeah, at this point around 200, it's it's fine. He's not really a target of mine. Like Joe Musgrove just went off the board at pick 205. Like I'd much rather have Joe Musgrove. I think that the upside is still higher for Musgrove than someone like uh, Jake Odorizzi. He's not going to go the third time through the order like ever, Adam. No, but I think they have a, a good bullpen, good offense. He could be set up for wins even if he doesn't pitch that deep into games. He won 15 games last year, Odorizzi, and he was the number 22 starting pitcher in Roto, number 32 in points. That's a huge difference. But if you compare his velocity, you know, it was similar in 2015 and 16. I don't think it was quite as good, but it was similar. In those years, Odorizzi had a 335 and a 369 ERA. 2017 and 18, his velocity was down, and he had an ERA over four both years. So uh, if he can keep, keep that velocity... We saw, you know, helps helps pitchers in general, but Clevenger is a big example of that, and over Odorizzi was one as well. If he can keep that velocity, maybe he really can be a top thirty pitcher. Worth, Chris, you took Miguel Andujar at pick two hundred in round seventeen. Um, mm -hmm. I would argue that I've, we talk a lot about the players who have been helped by the shortened season, the delayed season. I think you can argue Miguel Andujar is probably one of the players who has suffered the most in terms of giving Aaron Judge Stanton time, time to heal up uh, because now where is he going to play? Is he going to have time in the outfield? Is he going to take time away from your boy Luke Voigt? Uh, I think there's some concern over the playing time now that everyone seems like they're going to be healthy for the start of the season, Chris. It does give some concerns, but it was 200th overall would be my response. You know, we, last time we saw this guy, he hit 300, nearly 30 home runs, a bunch of runs in RBI. It ultimately comes down to whether he hits. If he hits, I don't think it's going to matter. Things go wrong all the time. And a guy who has the the now flexibility to play multiple positions, uh, who they could play at DH, if he hits like the last time we saw him or anything close, there's a lot that could go wrong for the Yankees. Not just the injuries, but you know we've got one year of Gio Urshela. We've basically got one year of Luke Voigt. Uh, those guys probably one of them is going to struggle. And so as long as Miguel Andujar hits, I think he's going to find his way into the lineup more often than not. You sort of handcuffed Luke Voigt, didn't you? Exactly. Yeah, beautiful. You've locked and up Carlos Stanton. For, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, if, I mean, if anything were to happen uh, to Stanton there, then you have, uh, you have Miguel Andujar waiting there in the wings. Maybe you come up with some interesting acronym for handcuffing the Yankees like... Adam had for his <laughs> tap hap AMC. I don't know what it would. I can't. Luke Voigt. Moologs. Miguel <laughs> Andujar. Luke. There's an A somewhere. Giancarlo Stanton. A a just <laughs> and Miguel Andujar, Luke, and Giancarlo Stanton. Moologs. Mulgs. No, it's the A is for and. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, Miguel Andujar, Luke, and Giancarlo Stanton. You all know Mulog. Mulogs, perfect. Yeah, yeah she Mulog. had a little. Yeah. Uh, she had a little dragon friend. <laughs> <laughs> we saw uh, Chris Howard take Mitch Keller on brand here. Scott White finally ju- jumps in with some saves. He picks up Mark Melanson. Uh, Adam, you took Sean Doolittle. Is is he your third closer now? He is my third closer and my fourth reliever. I actually took Seth Lugo. So I probably, if I can find a good starting pitcher that I like with upside, I will. If not, I might go the Lugo route, which would leave my rotation with uh, Clevenger, Carrasco, Otani, McCullers, and then three closers, a middle reliever, and maybe one more middle reliever. But I'm done with closers. Adam, you're on the clock. I'm just reminding you. I am going to take Francisco Mejia. Scott made a great sleeper uh, case for Mejia in our catcher preview. I buy into it, and I'm taking him. My biggest problem with Mejia is I don't think it's I don't think it's anything to do with his offense. I just think that he is such a worse pitch framer than um, who's the backup there? I'm Austin forgetting. Hedges. Hedges yeah. yeah, than Austin Hedges. He's such a worse pitch framer that I feel like that is going to factor into their decision for his playing time more than anything else. If he hits, he'll play. I Defense is so overrated compared to <laughs> offense, even at catcher. Just ask the Yankees. That's why they, like, <laughs> he, he has to hit really well. But he did hit really well, you know, half the year, basically. And if he hits, he'll play. That's my take. Especially if we have this condensed schedule, which I basically am basing my entire draft on, so it better happen. <laughs> Scott, you uh, you you've kind of gone the opposite route of Adam, where Adam has four relievers, three closers, and and Seth Lugo, uh, and you have just Mark Melanson. So do you do you have a, a plan outside of that? Because I know you in your on your Tout Wars team, you kind of waited on saves as well. Is this something that's just consistently happening to you? Yeah, I don't like paying for saves. Half the guys we expect to be getting them at the start of the year probably aren't going to be getting them by the end, though. I guess that percentage adjusts to some degree when there's less time for closers to lose their job too. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just want saves for my closers and obviously there are degrees of confidence in how varying degrees of confidence as you look down the rankings and how long you expect somebody to retain that job. But I think, I, I don't know. I just don't like to pay for saves. As the Mark I'm, not, I'm not in a good mood right now, if you can't tell. Why? I'm a little what frustrated happens, with the way this draft is going. Do you want us to sing happy birthday? Were you like, no, that we didn't pay enough attention? Two day, three days old at this point, no. You, are you done with your cake yet? Uh, it hasn't. There are some remains. I'm not sure if I'm getting, going to eat anymore. Oh, is that I what's for lunch so. today, Scott, after the uh, draft ends? Are you going the, uh, the Chris no. Towers route of, uh, of lunch? I had a can of Progresso soup for lunch, and I, I think I'm, I think my stomach is telling me now that wasn't enough, too. So I'm a little hangry on top of everything else. I had some saltines with it, but like, just not enough. Not saltines enough. are great. Yeah, I have a question since we're going off the rails here. Uh, you guys, uh, you, you, have cap- you ever have capers? You like capers? Oh, God, no. I don't know that I've ever... Just put you salt on your food. You don't eat capers like by themselves. You eat them with, with you know, they're like little salt packets basically, but they look like peas. Are they unhealthy, or is that like a healthier way to have salt? I, 
I think like the sodium is the thing. I don't think it really. I don't know. Maybe it's like, you know, it's more natural. Those are the little things they put on like chicken marsala, right? Yeah. 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 You're not getting, uh, you're not getting any iodine. So you gotta, is that, who says it, is that who says iodine? <laughs> Chris is does. That... <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know enough about capers. I have nothing that I can add to a capers nutritional facts type conversation here. Yeah, that's a little. Uh... How are you supposed to pronounce iodine? Iodine. Iodine. Oh, but right. isn't iodine that iodine's in food? Iodine's like that dye stuff. You put it in. They put it in salt. It they has uh, large health benefits. I didn't know that. You never paid attention to the iodized salt. I, I guess I never really thought, oh, there's iodine in that. I guess that I read sense. I read an article about it a couple of years ago. It had huge health benefits for the state of Michigan when they added iodine to the salt. Scott, will you just take John Birdie? Why is John Birdie still available in the twentieth round? Well, he's he's not that good. We hope he plays enough that he delivers a big steals total, but it's not like he's I don't. I don't think it's strange <laughs> that he hasn't gone by this point. His ADP is lower than two thirty-one, right? Uh, I guess so. But we only have like three routes left. Scott just made a selection for somebody accidentally. <laughs> that was awesome. That's that's a classic Chris Towers move. <laughs> Frank, I, I think we you might want to wrap things up here. It's getting yeah. Crazy. I mean, we've we've gone into uh, salt, some capers, some iodine. Chris, uh, buy I, me I, some I, fruit roll-ups. I want fruit roll-ups, Chris. Send them my way. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, I like a fruit, love a fruit. I love a gusher's better though. Oh, get this! Get the hell out of here. Love, love a gusher. Oh man, that's that's a tough call. Fruit roll up. It's Twitter poll. Twitter poll right now. Gushers, throw them all in there. Gushers, fruit by the foot, fruit roll up. But we're gonna wrap up here. We'll have the rest of the results over on CBSSports.com. It's a 12-team roto mock draft. Uh, Scott is hangry. He's gonna go eat something. He's gonna also try and find some saves uh, for Scott White, Adam Azer, Chris Towers. I am Frank Sample. Thank you all for listening. Tomorrow we'll be back with our All-Star team. We will see you then.